I'm Pedro Veloso, and this is Final Spot. Stacy Case. And I'm Joe Daly. And this is Spinoffs Pod. Stacy, I had a very lovely conversation with Pedro Veloso. He is a finance person in the world of FinOps, and I love finance people in the world of FinOps because I'm an old finance person in the world of FinOps. You are a finance person, Joe, and that is your happy place, I know. So I'm sure this was an exciting conversation for you to have. Well, it's not so much my happy place, it's just my place of comfort i don't know i don't like what do finance people don't say finance is my happy place why do we do this anyway (laughs) maybe you should say finance is my happy place are you just afraid to admit that finance makes you happy oh finance makes no one happy actually maybe it doesn't make some people happy it didn't make me the most happy i think that's why i left finance but there are some folks pedro i bet it makes pedro happy Pedro finance, finance might make Pedro happy. It's, he's an interesting guy. He started off in Brazil, did some IT finance roles there, and then moved to Berlin, Germany, and is doing more IT FinOps roles there. And we had a really great conversation. It's just great to hear and talk to folks who have similar experiences that you've had, because you can just make connections and like, yes, I know I've had those conversations. I've been in those rooms. And he talks a lot about how cloud has removed a lot of the processes that took information from IT and fed them into business decisions. Well, your dog just bite you or something? No, my dog just started. I could tell my dog was going to bark and I tried to get hot. Do you hear it? (laughs) I knew they were going to bark. So I got really quick on the mic. Hold on. And the mute. Hold on. Just a second. Hold on. I must be getting a delivery. Um, That's pretty back funny. to the show. I'm going to so, mute myself so you can talk. So Pedro, Pedro had, uh, Pedro was talking about how. Okay, hold on a second. Finn, do you want to take a bath? That shuts him up. I threatened them with baths. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Yes. Okay. Pedro was talking about how cloud deployments have removed a lot of the procurement and finance processes that took information and delivered it to the business so that they can make a lot of business decisions and what sort of FinOps practices he needs to implement in order to facilitate real-time decision-making. I really liked how he explained it. He's called it the gap between finance and technology is widening. That sounds interesting, even for finance. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding i joke i joke that does sound super interesting i'm excited to hear about it i hope i hope we get some of your dog barking in the background actually can i tell you how excited that my dog's name who i've had for 13 years his name is finn and i work for finn ops foundation (laughs) i keep trying to work that in people get so confused i think finn ops stands for financial operations and really it's just a dog walking business it's just a dog walking, you guys. FinOps is really just dog walking. It's just, right. that's what it is. You have all been tricked. That is the reality of what FinOps. And it's named after my dog, Finn. Hey, Joe, speaking of what does FinOps really stand for? What does it mean? Oh, it's really, it's a portmanteau, which is a really fun word to say. It's I, a that's why I had you say it, because I can't say portmanteau without, <laughs> like, 
poor man. <laughs> I always think toe. it's like poor man toe. My feet hurt. That was a poor man toe, a DevOps and finance. So you're taking the financial implications of working in a DevOps agile sort of method, which is actually a lot of what Pedro is going through in this episode saying, how does accounting need to progress? He talks about how the old cost center reporting just doesn't match up to this style of IT operations anymore. It's a really interesting episode. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Do you mind if I drink some coffee in between? You go I mean, right ahead. All right. Okay. Not a problem at all. It's late though for you to be drinking coffee. Are you going to fall asleep? It's what, 6 p.m. here? No, no, but it's okay. I mean, it's my fifth coffee of the day, so I'm okay. in the mood. <laughs> it's not going to, it's not going to hurt any worse. Um, yeah. I, I worry about your sleep. <laughs> you don't even know me, Jim. <laughs> I know. I'm just a caring person. I, I want to make yes. sure you get a good night's sleep. You are originally from Brazil. And you're currently yeah. in, in Berlin, Germany. How did, how did you get there? Well, all right. Let me try to shed some light into that. My, my whole career, somehow I was driven into the, I'm calling it FinOps, but at that moment I didn't have no clue that FinOps existed. Probably the, the, the name itself was not even created. Immediately when I left the, the university, I'm graduated in my BA is in economics. So I joined the, a company, it's a software company in Brazil. It's similar to SAP, the market leader there. I joined to serve as a finance person. I was assigned to an area of the company that is a cloud business. So I was a business partner of this organization, which was growing in relevance. Then I realized that actually my role there would be more important to get deeper into the discussions rather than staying on a shallow reporting, comfortable position. So I started understanding some relationships and then we started to, at that moment, the, the company was deciding on whether, which place it was the most appropriate one to embed the software solution that they were selling. If they would sell a, a full-blown solution in AWS, they would do this in Azure, or if they would do this with a private cloud. And I was the one who crafted the business case for that. And I really needed to invest a ton of my time and my brain power to understand what these folks were talking about because I had no education on the topic. So I needed to, to learn on the fly. So then the years were passing and while we were doing that, we, we opted to one of the, the solutions was to actually build a private, uh, cloud. So I was also, I took over the procurement department because we needed to understand the differences and, and specificities of each solution. And then we evolved in this direction. And then I also had in touch with other, other public clouds. But then time passed and I realized that actually, if I wanted to make a leap uh, to become like a, let's say a more complete global professional, I needed to expose myself to an international environment. And I, the company was very it's, as I said, it was a market leader, but it was still extremely local, Brazilian local. So I started searching some alternatives, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to work on. And it, I really had the whole map open ahead of me <laughs> and I tried to, to define where I would like to align my professional expectations to, to life expectations. And immediately I thought about moving to the US, but I had also previous experience living in Germany and for me, it connected more to what I wanted to do personally. And I got hired or actually it was a match because it was the only company that I really 
got in touch with is, uh, it's called Zalando. They are a market leader also in Europe. They are actually, they are uh, like generic terms. They are copycat of Zeppos in US. And I was hired there for a role called tech controlling, which was in a way similar to what it was doing in, in Brazil, but quite different because the company was in a completely different maturity stage. They were born cloud native and I was working in an environment extremely agile, uh, which also was not the case back then in, in Brazil, where I was working with people from the eighties, monolithic style, software engineers from the old times. So I started to, to apply some of the knowledge that I had, especially in the, in the cloud world, but that, that's where I got a bit more exposed to this new technologies and new areas of expertise. And then we started slowly building on top of that. So then my team that started with two or three people in the end, I left the company with six, seven, because then we started expanding like the, our areas of operation, let's say, and applying even concepts that now I understand that they are called TBM. Like for example, we are already curating a technology assets or a tech application catalog. In, in this company, Zalando, and labeling what, what were their costs, the evolution of their costs, how this was evolving over time, plus some other things. So that's that's how I landed in, in Germany, and then I moved to to another company where I am now. <laughs> so you wanted a global perspective. You were open to moving anywhere in the globe, and you were able to find jobs and, and professions to allow you to do that simply with your cloud business office, FinOps background. You know, me personally, I've been in Ohio for the last uh, almost 40 years. I'm afraid to leave my children's school district, let alone the state. It, it's awesome to know this work is global and you can go anywhere to do it. That's 100%. really fantastic. Yeah. Was there any differences that you had to consider when you're moving from Brazil to Germany or was it? all basically the same. For example, when I talk to folks in Brazil about FinOps, I'm like, what are some of the considerations you're thinking of that's different from me in the United States that I consider? And they're talking about, well, exchange rate is huge. And I'm like, oh, obviously I work and live and breathe in dollars. I don't have to consider exchange rates. Were there any sort of eye-opening like, oh, this is not something I learned or dealt with in Brazil when moving into your role in Europe? Absolutely. Exchange rate is the, the first, but I wouldn't say that is the most important aspect. It, it definitely plays an effect that is also uncontrollable. So you, you cannot really, it's hard to plan, especially in our times, but there is a, another aspect, which I think it's even worse, which is the, the tax burden of, of Brazil in particular, but I think it's actually spread out in the whole South America that we have pretty complex regulations that impose all sorts of different special taxes to public cloud providers. And this creates a huge barrier for them to fully access and dominate these markets. So to give you an example, back then, this was 2014, as I said, I was working in the software company, and then we wanted to define which solution we were going to embed the, the, the software into which cloud provider. And we ended up preferring to build in-house the data center, which at this point, I'm not sure if this had been the best move, you know, but back then the, the business case was quite solid that the, the tax burden plus exchange rates, and to some extent, the level, sometimes the level of services 
that the, the public cloud providers offer to Brazilian companies, it's ahead of what they really need. And in, in fact, you, you might deliver a satisfactory solution to Brazilian customer base, especially small, medium business with cheaper infrastructure costs that might not be the most updated ones, or they might not be so agile or resilient, but maybe this doesn't matter much for the the vast majority of the small, medium companies of, of Brazil. So I think that these three aspects, tax, exchange rates, and maybe a mismatch of expectations. That's really interesting. The business case, just the, those scenarios, some uncontrollable like exchange rates, some less controllable like governmental taxation policies will make a business case look completely different in one country than another country. And then you start valuing what is more important versus not, you know, that whole consideration of I need resiliency or I need expense efficiency or, or speed or quality, you start changing the, yeah. the calculations of what's the most worthwhile to you. So was that different for you when you hit Germany? Yeah, my experience in Germany and because I joined a company that it was in a completely different maturity state. What I found when I landed at my job here in Germany was a company that was experienced absurd growth rates. They really didn't care much about where they were putting their money. They were just pushing through capital to, to make the company expand. And I think that as a finance professional, I must say that this is quite frustrating because you leave for finding efficient ways to, to deliver the same with the same quality resilience and, and yeah, the, the same benefits. But I think that, that was the main change because in fact, when you take tooling costs and infrastructural costs in the scale or in proportion to the revenue and the profit that such big platforms that are extremely scalable deliver, they are still not the biggest drivers of change of the company. So in other words, they really don't prioritize how much they're investing as long as the product is solid, reliable, and engineer community is happy and can build as fast and as best as possible. So I think that was a, a mindset change that in Brazil, the pressures for the bottom line are extremely high and you, you yeah. really need to take every single penny out of every single investment that you make in, in Germany. Because of the circumstance, it was a whole different story. Yeah. We're kindred spirits here because I, I worked in highly regulated companies from the finance side and you're right. The bottom line is what is most important. Can you comply with regulations, which are expensive to comply with and also meet the bottom line expectations, even when things were going well and I found inefficiencies and I, I want to take advantage of because from my finance perspective. That's wasted expense dollars that I could use in my headcount budget and I could hire more people or help fund better raises this year or something. Absolutely. I, I saw that yeah. as expense that could be moved to other line items, which, you know, doesn't always land when talking to an engineer, they're like, no, no, that's my money or that's the business, uh, requirement or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that you're absolutely right. And I think that to expand on that, I think that now from a third look, because then I just to continue the, the journey that I've experienced in, in Germany, I, I moved then 
for a second time to another company that is now operating in, let's say, mid-level markets, which are markets that are not developed countries like uh, Germany or US, but instead Eastern European countries or other economies that are emerging. And here I found exactly the middle ground. There is a strong portfolio management approach to really chase for the, the most efficient or the highest profitability of the company. But at the same time, my current company is also to some extent, very careful about the product that we're putting out there. And at least here, I, I think I'm now making more impact than I was doing in a different circumstance in the other company without this, this attention, let's say. Yeah. Do you have more power? Power. Yeah. It's yeah. nice as a finance person. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. As opposed to being an annoying voice, a yeah. voice of guidance. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fantastic. You mentioned before you're working on a role that has FinOps, but also you're implementing TBM style processes and programs to give a whole product costing model. Is that easy? Is that easy to do? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> no, <laughs> man, to be honest, look, first of all, I need to um, confess that I, th I thought when I started delving into the TBM topic that I would find more answers that I did. And even though this framework is out there for some time, I think that a lot of people have still a lot of doubts and a lot of th things haven't been answered yet. So in particular for industries like mine, which are mainly internet, digital industries, our core business is not automobile, it's not governmental, it's not banking, it's peer platform business. So at the moment, I don't have all the instruments that would make me feel comfortable to, to implement that, but we have been in discussions with some consulting firms that are supporting us to at least give us some directions on what are the market standards, what has been successful elsewhere. So. This afternoon, I was actually writing a six-pager about how to implement TBM in my current company and what are the benefits of that. And I think that the first value that I can give to the company or that I can add to the company is to tell the story. And I think that I still don't know how I'm going to do it, to be honest, but I strongly believe that the way that we operate and most of the companies operate in when it comes to, to financially steering tech organization in terms of cost centers or profit centers or, or cost items, this is completely unlinked to the operation and the gap of finance and the tech org is actually getting wider. I think that we need to find ways to fill in the gap. The, the gap will be either filled by tech taking over, I don't know, creating roles like we we're saying, FinOps and TBM office, something like that. Or if finance takes over this role or collaborates better with the tech folks. And that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. We're trying to at least acquire this knowledge to see if we can fit it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. incredibly important. I remember one of my first aha moments of why this stuff is important. I was working in IT finance for infrastructure shared services. And we had just allocated out all of our expenses to the business. And here comes the business CEO and he is angry because we have allocated him more expense than was budgeted for. And he wanted to know what it was. And I was like, oh, you know, there's some 
some servers, some storage, some labor. And he was like, this is a black box. How can I make a decision on how to reduce this expense? But I didn't have anything. And then that's when he yeah. said, well, you have given me an expense that I can't control. And the only lever I have to pull is headcount. So it's unfortunate. And that's kind of what shook me. I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to provide more visibility or, or some sort of decision-making process, but getting alignment on how to create that visibility can be very difficult in a shared services yeah. sort of organization. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've heard the word or the expression black box in my life. I don't know. Maybe this week, three <laughs> times. <laughs> no, it's, it's a black it's box. Incredible. It's a black yeah. box. Yeah, this is always a topic. I think that allocation is a, I think is a whole different story. It needs to be very well analyzed because you, you can become very efficient and precise, but then it's hard to, to steer it and to control all the attributes. You mentioned about your aha moment. I, I had my aha moment when I realized that my impact was actually getting in the right place where I wanted it to be. So this was in Zalando. And in the last year, when I was working there, recurring meetings with the tech and the product data and engineering folks, and our discussions were getting so deep into how many days we are retaining data for the backup of some applications. And we were sitting at the table arguing why we should do this 14 days or five days or seven days and what would be the immediate outcome in terms of the, the expenses. And we, and this was for me the moment, my aha moment when I realized that, yeah, this is exactly what finance should be doing. Because if you relate this to what a logistic controlling person does in a warehouse, they control the whole operation and they know the processes and they can challenge the operational team into their unit economics or their, their metrics without being the experts on the topic. And I think that's exactly what we, I was doing back then, sitting on the table and having very deep architectural decisions and discussions and bringing our perspective to that. And I think that this is the place that I, I want to be. And I think that every FinOps person wants to be. And most importantly, to realize how many decisions are actually being made without full awareness of the organization, right? And decision makers. So in, in, in practice, these are the, the turning point moments where you can really change the needle in terms of expend, expending or, or spending money in AWS, for example. But there are numerous examples of that. And I think that's exactly a, a good example of how illustrative is the gap that we are creating into the tech world and the finance senior management, maybe not directly involved into tech because mm -hmm. It's, it's just the tip of the iceberg that they are seeing. What's really happening, the decisions are being made on a daily basis without the procurement workflow for that. You know, yeah. I was going to go in one direction, but you're, you're driving me down another because I enjoy talking to other IT finance folks. Going back to your Brazil days, when you were building out a hybrid environment, you had public cloud usage and private cloud usage. I worked on the, in the cloud side of things. So people saw me and said, oh, he wants to put everything in the cloud. And I said, nothing could be further from the truth. I want efficient things that are modern in the cloud. I don't want your 30 year old application that hasn't been updated in 10 years because the engineers left. Nobody knows how to turn it off. That's not going to run cheap in the cloud and there's yeah. really no value in it. And I, 
Do you run into scenarios like that where folks are like, well, cloud is the newest, hottest in, in all these marketing white papers will tell me it'll save me money. Let's put my ancient stuff that's not secure and, and not patched in the cloud and, and get rich while we do it. Yeah. Do you still run into that? Not anymore, to be honest, because I think mm -hmm. that I, I've achieved, not myself, but the, the companies of where I'm. When I've worked here in, in Germany, they've gone beyond that. But I, I can resonate that to, to Brazil because there is a, also a strong sense of we cannot do better than strong players like AWS and Azure or Google. If you open the newspapers, they are all over the place. And you're saying that actually we should build a private cloud that would run more efficiently or cheaper than AWS. It's, it sounds like crazy. And this was a hard storyline to push. We needed to explain in so many different ways and it was quite exhausting, but I think that it really can make sense. As I said, I mean, it depends a whole lot on the, on the type of the applications that you're onboarding and it depends nowadays also on the governmental factor, right? So mm -hmm. what kind of requirements you have, can you really run freely on worldwide providers or you need to have some sort of uh, local cloud is amazing, but it's not magic. No. <laughs> if, it's a, yeah. if it's expensive <laughs> to run, it's expensive to run. doesn't matter where you yeah. put it. Yeah. Going back to the TBM side of things. So you have all sorts of different types of expenses that you're trying to corral and present and, and figure out how to align. You have your capitalized expenses and depreciation and amortization. And then you have the cloud side, which is more operational expense. And it's coming in monthly and it can be different based on a million number of factors, even including how many days there are in that month. When you mix all those different types of expenses together, are you finding that it's driving some sort of clarity or are there friction points in, in what are the sort of debates and or discussions that come up when you try merging reporting types together? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm afraid I'm, I won't be able to, to go that deep because we, we are really on a early stage of adoption. I wouldn't even say that we are adopting it yet because we are first pushing the benefits and the storyline through. It's already a big organization, so we need to convince a lot of stakeholders that this really makes sense and explain what this means. But I think that we have some hints on what kind of discussions this could bring and what kind of decisions this can empower us to make. So just to give an example, at the moment we moved away from cost center reporting, which is for me, a very basic way of demonstrating a tech organization to, to what we call tech reporting. Some companies call a squad or something else or team. It's a combination, it's a multidisciplinary team. So comprised of data folks, engineering, product, product design, whatever else you need to complete a, a stream. So a stream, we call it like a chat of our, of our platforms, something like that. And this differs from cost center because we, in cost center world, we are tied to org design. So product folks all sit in one place, engineer folks all sit in one place. But it, in this spec world, we actually have every, everything at once. So this is already a better representation of what we are working on. But still, we only see the, the shallow group of people. We don't see through it. So we don't see outcomes of these folks. And then I think that the first realization that we had, and this one is quite recent, 
is that we we were asked what was the real impact of the Ukrainian war in our business. And as I told you, we have strong operations in, in the Eastern European and we weren't able to have a solid answer about that and how that rolled down into our whole organization and what other sort of decisions we would need to make in terms of maybe divesting some components or changing some maybe architecture because of low traffic that we don't no longer need to have such level of throughput and, and so on. And we couldn't answer that. And I personally barely could collect some insights on what was the impact of the, the conflict. So, and this was for me a big um, red flag to say that we desperately need to have something that shows more than just the cost of labor associated to teams or banks and to stop looking at AWS as a separate component of labor, because in the end there's entirely and completely part of one single unit that we can nail this down to services, applications, however you want to call it. And I think that's the steering level that I want to unlock now. So I want to get away, as I said, we got away from the cost center, we went back. Now I want to go one step further and unlock a new value chain of my role as a finance partner to the company to show the company how we are, we are progressing in terms of assets or applications or products, however we want to call it. That's super interesting. I've not heard of that before. It's PEC. Is it P-E-C-K or P-E-K? Yeah, or? like a, yeah, yeah, PECT. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. I'm so gonna, it's, you've, you've never heard of it. <laughs> I'm going to look it up afterwards. I'm, I'm like, what? You're moving away from call centers. But, and that's have you ever, but have you ever heard of squads? Because in Spotify, they, I think they, they use this. I'm going to say you heard, about that. Yeah, do that. I've heard of that sort of team structure, but I've never considered the accounting impact of that before. I mean, it's really interesting because when I see companies go from their old department styles to a product model, the accounting behind it doesn't necessarily change too much. It's still doing cost centers, but what you are describing sounds like you're changing the accounting to match the workflow, which would theoretically show you more of what each team or squad is doing, but you're still seeing that trouble of, Hey, there's still all these expenses. You have to allocate them out properly. And if you don't have a common way to do that or agreed upon way to do that. You've changed the structure of your accounting. It's still not adding the clarity. Yeah, absolutely. I see this, Joe, as a value chain. So you, you have a possibility to look at the organization in many different ways. I think that the, as a finance person, IT finance person, you need to work to unlock as many dimensions as possible, of course, being mindful of the operational burden of carrying this on. But the basic ones are, I think the cost center report, which is a Representation of the, the org makes sense for some cases. The back also makes sense in some other case. What I want to do now and what we're trying to work on is to unlock a new one, which I hope that the end will help me bring in, which is the, the tech assets. Uh, so I want to see what exactly we're building behind that. What are the sub-products or components of our platforms uh, that we operate and how we can start steering the organization, no longer in terms of teams, but in terms of applications and what do we want to do with our tech stack that we have underneath and how much does that cost and ROIs and so on and so forth. So then endless possibilities. 
So this morning I was going through the FinOps practitioner membership applications. I do that every day. I start my day. I let people in. I say, welcome. And I always get a thrill when I see finance folks join. Just that's my background. I have a soft spot for finance folks entering into the IT space. Cause I know it's, it's difficult. You got a lot to learn and you already learned finance, which was really hard. And now you're learning IT, which is really hard. So I, I know that path. And there was a, a person named Joshua and he's in Singapore and he's an uh, IT financial analyst. And he said, I'm just starting in this FinOps world. I'm just getting in. Thanks for having me in here. What would be your advice for financial analysts, accountants, finance background people who are just getting into this FinOps space? What's your advice for first steps? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think they're quite lucky because we already have so much literature about it beforehand that I'm talking about four or five years ago, we had so little. And I would say, to be honest, the first step is, I think there are three main areas that they can explore and go deep into the loopholes of it, which are the ITFM, the, the FinOps itself. And uh, the TBM, as we all know, they overlap in many areas. And I think that's kind of a blur line where, where mm -hmm. each one stops. But the there are relevant already material literature on all these aspects. And even FinOps was one of the early customers of the book that was released two years ago, I guess, right? A few years sure. now, yeah. Three years ago, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's getting there and there is a lot of knowledge available. So that's for the basics, let's say the foundations, and you can build upon that level. Experience of course counts. So I think that you need to start driving towards the tech teams when you're putting this in, into practice. So if you have exposure to, to engineering product folks, sit with them on the table and act like a curious business partner that you just want to understand the business. Actually, it's funny because I've built a team in the, in these two companies that really work as business partners of tech folks. And I always advise them to find the, the tipping points. So how you can find the small opportunities to showcase that you can link the dots and you can create a simple use case or of. If you find the metrics, if you find the unit economics, they might sound hard, but in the end, it's all about drivers and dependencies and putting that in a visible, clear, digested way and report. And I think that usually tech teams, they are quite happy when people bring to the surface their achievements. So it's also a good way to start exercising that and then. Afterwards, you can also start bringing some challenges as you read it. Very good. That's awesome. Awesome feedback. And you're right about the literature. I mean, I was right there with you learning this years ago and was figuring out as you go along. And I mean, I, I created some dumpster fires and all I could say at the end was, well, I learned what doesn't work. Don't do that. Let's not do that again. Uh, process elimination. All right. My last question. We, we try to ask everybody, I mean, the question is the answer can't be savings plans for RDS, but what is one feature you would like cloud service providers to release that would help FinOps practitioners? Wow. That's a good one. Man, I would love to understand and not only understand, to be honest, but to tweak some variables of the forecast that AWS gives me. 
So at the moment, they, they are somehow accurate, especially on the short term, but it would be lovely to, to have a tool where we can configure some few attributes and maybe, yeah, just guide the forecast mm -hmm. according to the knowledge that AWS doesn't have, but that we can bring to it. So, and I think that that's something that would be pretty good for us. And also, of course, I mean, first of all, understanding how the whole forecast is calculated because it's still a black box for me. Let's use a black box term again. That's right. right. <laughs> it's a black box. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's a great idea of uh, scenario building in the cloud native forecasting tool. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Well, I, I greatly enjoy this. Sometimes we have a uh, co-host interview with me, but I was like, no, Pedro's IT finance. I just want to have a finance to finance conversation. So nice. great. Joe, I, I love the conversation, man. Honestly, I was missing having this level of conversation with someone who really gr grasped what I was talking about. As I said, it was a lonely journey to be where I am at. I'm happy with the path that I took. I think that this IT finance role is going to be big in the future and people will only realize that a bit later. And I'm really happy to be part of this community early enough. And I think that we're still building a lot of things. Great talking to you as well, Joe. Have a nice day. You too. Good evening. Get a good night's sleep. All right. We just closed the books on the finance episode of FinOpSpot. If you saw what I just did there, that's a good accounting joke. Thank you very much, Pedro Veloso. Fantastic conversation. I greatly enjoyed it. I really just appreciate how gracefully Pedro put it, shrinking the gap between IT and finance so that we can make better business decisions. Great, great way to put it. As always, thank you to Stacy Case and her dog Finn for helping us kick off the podcast today. Make sure that you're following us wherever you love listening to podcasts and if you have any questions at all that you think that FinOpsPot should address, there's a link in the show notes to our voicemail box. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us your name, your question. Maybe someday we'll feature you and the answer to your question here on FinOpsPod. And that wraps up this episode of FinOpsPod. We'll calculate her.